0: Wow! if you have your bibles with you or you have an app that you can get to we've been going through this study in the book of esther and we started last week because we looked at that and i told you i got in a lot of trouble for putting god is nowhere up on the uh, the marquee in a church that i was in charge of doing that and then i said you know read it again and it actually says god is now here Instead of God is nowhere. Let's go right there. God is now here. And as you begin, as you turn to Esther this morning, I pray that God would add his blessing to the reading of his word. We'll get through it. We'll work through it. But last week we talked about uh, how Esther was a a Jewish orphan girl who was um, chosen by king who Xerxes right get these names in your mouth uh, and on your heart she um, he was chosen by King Xerxes and we'll go through more of that and we'll review some of that in a little while but we're going to start now with chapter 4 Esther chapter 4 in verse 12 is where I want to pick up this morning and then we'll kind of do some back history Esther chapter 4 in verse 12 if you have it this morning give me an amen Good. Esther four and verse twelve says this if you need to, if you don't have a Bible with you, it's on the screen. It says, When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, everybody say Mordecai. Right. He sent back this answer Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you are alone, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. Good night. I could preach on that verse. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come into your royal position for such a time as this. And this is the tagline. This is the, uh, the, everywhere you look up the book of Esther, you will see this tagline. For such a time as this. I want to preach to you this morning in part two of our collection uh, in our series From the book of esther on the subject it's about time is that here somewhere i don't know goodness you see that anywhere there we go it's about time how many know that phrase well it's about time how many have used that phrase this week probably in some way shape or form it's about time look to your neighbor and say it's about time it's about time i got through that slide it's about time look at your other neighbor your second choice and tell him it's about time it's about time and i want to take that phrase and sort of play on that word a little bit those words a little bit because sometimes we can look at that phrase and we can say well where have you been it's, well, it's about time you've gotten here Well, it's about time. Or we can take the phrase and say, for such a time as this, it's about time. This section of scripture is about God's timing. Because timing is everything. It's about time. It's a play on words. It's creative, isn't it? I'll I'll beg for it. I don't care. Okay, four of us. All right. It's about time. Show of hands this morning. Crucial question. How many of you are watch people? Watch people. How many of you like watches? Do you wear a watch? Yeah, there's a few. few not. Maybe what want to use your phone. The other what you use your phone. What time is it? It's about time. Yeah, not many people are watch people. How many A few. how, how many watch, like, guys, how many watch people do I really have in the room? you you a watch person. You know what I mean? Like, you look, I like a nice watch. You get a good watch. And there I, I got this one though a little while back. And this is one of those smart watches. Anybody have a smart watch? Apple watch people? Right? How many are saved? Apple? Anyone? <laughs> how many are saved this morning? Where's Ron? He's in the other room. Apple Watch though. There's a lot of power in these smart watches. There's a lot of a lot of stuff goes on right here on your wrist. Uh, a lot of technology in this little thing. I mean, it kind of makes me laugh because You know, expectations have really grown now for the watch. I feel bad for other watches, you know. They're like, when did telling time stop being like enough? The the Apple Watch, it's crazy. It can do so much. There's apps on my phone that are now on my watch. My watch counts how many steps I take. My watch watches my breathing. It tells me my heart rate. It will give me the weather. I can text message my friends right from my watch. And I can do all of this while my watch pays all my bills. And I think in a lot of ways that the the Apple Watch or these smart watches, that's why the smart watch is the Apple Watch, Um, it's a good illustration for what people actually look like in 2020. Because in 2020, we're moving at a pace like we've never moved before. I mean, humanity is moving fast and going quick, and we need instant. We need it now. We're doing so many things, and a lot of us think we actually have the capability of, of that watch, where we can multitask. But truth be told, do you know that the human being is unable to multitask. We're really only capable of doing one thing at a time. Really. So 2020, our most valuable commodity, because we're always rushing and we're moving and we're trying to save as much time as we can so that at the end of the day we have more time to spend at home with our loved ones or or whatever we like to do our most value valuable commodity is time it's about time time is one of these interesting things but regardless of where you come from, regardless of who you are, regardless of how much money you think you have, regardless of the family you were born into, regardless of any education you have, everybody on the planet gets the same 24 hours every single day. And contrary to popular belief, you cannot buy time, you can't borrow time, you certainly can't make time, you can only spend time or waste time. And this is a good time during this sort of reset, right? Last week we said we kind of got in a reset of 2020, this new beginning of 2020, for all of us to take a moment and kind of audit how we spend our time. Where is our time going? Because wherever you go, where, where, because wherever your time goes, your life will follow. And here's what I mean. Where are you spending your time? Or better yet, where are you wasting your time? Your time, is your time going to things that matter? Is your time going to things you're passionate about? Are you spending your time on things that will live on after you? Your time is over. Is your time going towards eternal things? No matter who I come in contact with these days, with these days, have you noticed that everybody today is busy? Everybody's busy. I'm so busy. It's like cool to be busy. Hey man, how are you? Oh man, I'm busy. I am busy. Like, if you're not busy, you're like, man, what am I even doing? Busy, I'm busy, man. I'm busy. You know how much stuff I did yesterday, man? I am busy. Talk to a guy this week doesn't have a job, but he's busy. Somehow. You ever meet people that don't have kids? And they say they're they're busy. <laughs> Believe me, you have more time than you know if you you're giving yourself credits for and all the parents this morning on father's day said right people are busy i'm busy i am busy yet what if we're not as busy as we all think we are what if there's more time allotted to us but what if we're wasting it we think about the tagline in esther for such a time as this Now I know life is complicated and there's a whole lot of people here this morning And it's hard to put everyone in in one category. I realize that but most christians speaking about how we spend our time And it's about time Most christians give god 90 minutes per week Sunday morning If we start around 10 30 and we end at noon, don't you dare we end at noon 90 minutes. We give God 90 minutes a week. So let me break it down for you a little bit. Most Christians give God 90 minutes a week. Here's what this 90 minutes a week looks like. There are 24 hours in a day. That's 100 or 1,440 minutes. In one week, there are 10,080 minutes. One month, 43,800 minutes. It's about time. One year. 525,600 minutes, sing the song. <laughs> one day, de- if you don't know the song, who knows the song? Someone ask them y'all to repent. One decade is 5,256,000 minutes, and then one century, if you live that long, you have lived 52,560,000 minutes. So that means that you give God 12.7 minutes a day if you do 90 minutes a week and break it down. If you do 90 minutes a week, 12.7 minutes per day. What I want you to be able to say is, God, I'm going to make sure that my time is in order because wherever my time is spent, my life will follow. Timing is is everything? It's about time. If you want your life to change, change where you spend your time. All of that being said, the tagline for such a time as this. We kicked off this, this study in Esther or the beginning to look at the life of Esther. And, and I'm really enjoying it. I don't know about you, but I've been spending my quiet time. And when I've been reading things um, other than a book that I'm enjoying right now in the book of Esther... Uh, I'm sort of walking through this book again for the first time and it, it really is shedding some light On what esther went through and the whole story and and how 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 it's amazing to me And if you missed last week, you can go back and, and if you missed last week I figured I had to do it But if you missed last week you can go back and listen to the message and get caught up But esther is this orphan girl living in persia. Remember she's a jewish girl, but nobody knows that she's jewish king Xerxes, you pay attention, he is the king at the time, a Persian king, and he gets rid of his former queen known as Vashti. And, and, and they put this pageant on, if you remember, and would you believe it, Esther, a real Cinderella story, she's picked out of everybody, and she becomes queen of Persia. And she has this cousin named Mordecai. Right, say Mordecai. Both of them are Jewish, and Mordecai He continues to counsel and advise Esther. And more than a cousin, he's more like like an uncle. He's someone that's raised Esther so he would have taught her the ways of of the Jewish tradition. And the story ends in chapter 2 of Esther becoming queen of Persia. I mean, it's an amazing story. But then in Esther chapter 3, we're introduced to a brand new character in this narrative. And his name, if you know it, his name is Haman. Right. Everybody say Haman haman and randy was telling me about some jewish traditions that still go on today um i guess his one of his co-workers his boss is is jewish and when they read the the festival of purim is one that they talk about esther and whenever they mention they read this from the scrolls and whenever they mention the name haman the the crowd makes a bunch of noise because we don't want to mention Haman. we don't want anybody to hear the name haman this is the villain in our story If this was the fairy tale you were reading through, this is actually history. But Haman is the villain in this story. He's the bad guy. He's the baddest of the bad. He's—if you read the story again—he's despicable. And quickly in chapter three, we see that Haman he becomes the chief advisor. That means he's over all of the king's nobles. He's kind of number two in the kingdom. I just realized the irony of what I just said, but he's kind of the second in command. He's second in command in the kingdom, and he's over all the nobles. So every day, Haman, I mean, he's up there in power and in prestige. He walks into the king's courts, and everyone would bow down, and they would give honor and worship towards Haman even, except one man would not bow down in the the land, and his name was Mordecai, Esther's cousin. And the reason why, we believe that the reason why Mordecai wouldn't bow down is that Mordecai was a Jew. And he only served one God. And he would not bow down. Only to his God. And it's important for you this morning to identify who it is or what it is that you worship. Because whether or not you believe in God, whether or not you've accepted the truth that God is who he says he is, we are all worshiping something. And you have to define where you're going to go, who you're going to go to with your issues, with your problems. You will go where you worship. And if you have to define where you're going to go and what you're going to do when it's time to worship, you will define what you worship by where you go when you have trouble. Who it is or what it is that you worship. And because Haman would not bow down, he would or he would or Mordecai would not bow down to Haman, Haman becomes furiously angry. I mean, if there's everyone is bowing down when you walk through the, the land and there's one person not bowing down, it's pretty obvious. So Mordecai, Haman gets so angry. He says, you know what? I got to get rid of this guy. And not just Mordecai. You know what? He's so full of himself and so full of power hungry. It's just, oh, Haman. Make a bunch of noise. He doesn't want to just kill Mordecai. He says, why does this guy not bow down? Well, he's a Jew, and he bowed down, bows down to, to God. And he says, well, you know what? I want to know if there's any other Jew living in this land, I want them dead as well. It's always shocking when we have one bad experience with one person, and then we judge an entire people group, right? That's 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 shameful. Haman says, you know what? This Mordecai, he's a Jew. I want every Jew wiped out. He's judging the entire section, race of people on this one man. And that's how there were so many genocides that occurred throughout history, right? Because of this. And that's exactly where this story goes. It leads to Haman plotting a genocide against the Jews. And what he does, he waits for the right time, because it's about time, to go present his plan to King Xerxes. And he says, Xerxes, there's a people group living in your land they're disobeying you they dishonor you which was not true by the way the jews were very obedient people to the king he says they're people living in your land they're disobeying you They you that don't honor you but they got their own practices and xerxes says well haman you're you're my number two guy i mean you're the guy what do you think we should do so haman says you know what we should wipe them out we should just take them out and he actually creates a day if you can believe this Where a decree, an edict is set on that day that anybody can attack and kill a Jewish person. Anybody on this day can attack and kill a Jewish person and they won't be held accountable. You can get away with it. This is the edict that goes out, and Mordecai hears about this in Esther chapter 4. And the scripture says that he rips his clothes. See if that's right. When he learned about it, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes. And then he begins to fast. The book of Esther is so interesting and it separates itself from every other book in the Bible. Remember we talked last week. Uh, It separates itself from every other book because the name of God in all the chapters of Esther is not mentioned by name. God is not mentioned by name in the book of, of Esther. And we said last week that although he's not mentioned by name, his fingerprints are all over the book of Esther. And so... We did not hear Mordecai cry out to God, but God is certainly inferred because Jewish people, when they begin to fast, they weren't just stopping eating. Like Jewish people didn't just do this out of out of um, uh, uh, routine habit. They didn't just do this out of something obedience like a, like a uh, something that they felt like they needed to do obligation. They didn't just stop eating; they were actually denying their flesh that they may be in tune with the presence of God that was the reason that they fasted so he goes to god in prayer mordecai because there's going to be some problems in life now mordecai knew to go to the lord in prayer he stripped himself of his clothes he tore his clothes he put on sackcloth and ashes he had this kind of oh no this time of mourning this time of this is big god and i need to come to you in all humility with fasting because there are sometimes the problems in your life that no man can settle no man can settle for No man can settle this this big problem for for mordecai And there are times in your life that you need to just humble yourself in prayer before god Because there is no one else that that can show you that how god is going to provide for you through this This problem was huge This was an edict from the king that said you know what your whole people race is in trouble and we're coming for you mordecai We're coming for you and all your people and there's times in your life when you look at that that kind of desperation, like, oh God, what, what now? What's going to happen? But there is one whose name is in the Scripture, translated Jehovah Jireh, and He is your provider. You have to learn how to fight your battles on your knees, like Mordecai. We go to God in prayer because we have problems that can only be solved in prayer. And He's fasting. Esther gets a word and she sends a person out there to get some reports because Mordecai doesn't look so good. How many know when you start fasting, sometimes you don't look so good? Esther says, Mordecai, what's going on? Mordecai sends back a word. He says, Esther, the time is now. You must go to King Xerxes and plead our case. You must fight for the Jewish people. It's now time for you to reveal, Esther, for such a time as this, who you actually really are. In fact, Esther, you've been promoted in the palace for such a time as this. Here's what's fascinating about this part of the scripture. Esther has now been in process for nine years. We know through the reading of the scripture that she has now been queen for five years. And in the five years she's been queen, remember her real name is Hadassah. It's her Jewish name, but she's been going by her Persian name, Esther. And for five years, she has hidden her true identity from King Xerxes. Not by her own desires, but by the counsel of Mordecai. Mordecai was counseling Esther. This is what we need to do. This is what needs to happen. I'm sure he didn't know why at the time. But what it tells me that Mordecai was playing the long game with Xerxes. The long game. Esther, nine years she's been preparing. Five years in the kingdom mordecai knew this mordecai was playing the long game with xerxes too many christians are playing the short game too many christians today think that when they meet somebody right right away they have to tell them hey i'm a christian and i believe in god and i believe in all these supernatural things and they want to share everything they ever learned about god when you meet someone they think that if we don't speak up, that nobody will know we're a Christian. Have you ever considered, church, that people ought to know you are Christians by not by what you say, but what you do, by how you live? We get so eager to introduce people to Jesus that we don't actually take time to meet these people and get to know them. Play the long game with people. Now, I don't know about you, but I got saved during a time period, and I don't know what your background is, But this is my story and it's it's my message I got saved and we were taught about personal evangelism. Remember that little that little evangelism explosion kind of thing that happened Those have been saved more than a few days Remember all that, you know personal evangelism where where they told us that if we if we met a stranger on the street The first question we should ask them is if you died tonight, do you know where you'd spend eternity? When you meet somebody on the street Or in a restaurant that don't get a reaction, I'll tell you that. I, lo- I love the heart in that. I love the intention. And I'm sure people did get saved. But i got to believe that we also turned a whole lot of people off. Because if we do care so much about people's eternity, we must also care about their reality today. Meet people where they are. Before you actually reveal your title, you ought to let people watch your testimony. Your whole life should be a sermon. Every bit of your actions should be about evangelism. Your conversations should stir up faith all around you. The way you live your life, it ought to be attractive. It ought to be the light of the world in the midst of darkness. We need some believers, church, who will actually wait on the Holy Spirit for the right timing before they reveal everything. We need to play the long game. That's what Mordecai was doing. We don't actually need to wear the t-shirt to work. And and if you want to wear it, wear it. But this is, I'm on fire for Jesus. You should actually walk in a way and live in a way that's so attractive that I don't need a t-shirt. Jesus called me to be the salt of the earth. You ever read that scripture? I just live my life being salty with people. And hear me on that. I live my life being salty to make people thirsty. I live my life being salty, not salty that way, but in such a way that I would infect the world with the name of Jesus so we would be the salt to make people thirsty. Make them want what you got. You ought to be living your life in such a way that people take notice. There's something different about that one. You don't have to have a message with your lips. Your whole life should be a walking, talking message. A testimony. Wait on the Holy Spirit to start those conversations. People are not turned off by God. They don't trust us. People are not turned off by God. It's us they don't trust. So be a people here in Hermitage in western Pennsylvania that show an interest, an actual genuine interest in people. Let's build trust with people. Let's serve let's actually serve them let's be curious about people see where they are in life and wait on the spirit for the right timing to say you know what here you know what i've been up in your life all this time and i've been waiting for the right moment to tell you this and i can tell you that from personal experience the day i got saved i had been hanging around a person a couple really that had dedicated their lives to jesus christ I knew that. Like obviously, they lived their life in such a way at the time that, that would shine Jesus' light. They talked about it in, in their conversation, and I could just see it. But it wasn't because they came at me and said, Do you know where you'll spend eternity if you die today? It was actually because I was friends with them. They invested. We talked together. And then eventually, I said, You know what? You guys have been friends with me all this time. And something is real about what you have. You're not only saying this stuff like I hear people say on TV and I hear people preaching and whatever. You guys are actually living this out right in front of me. You know what? I want what you have. Because I'm at a place right now that is desperate. I'm at a place right now where I've hit bottom and the only way I can look is up. And when I look up, I see this Jesus that you're speaking about. And I want what you have and here's Esther she's been living in the king's palace for 5 years Mordecai he sends word he says now is the time now you must let him know who you are listen to me Esther if you do not step up if you do not speak up rest assured Esther someone else will someone else will speak up and and believe me we'll get God will provide for his people but Esther if you don't speak up someone else will and at some point we will be saved and rescued but all of us in your father's household are probably going to perish in this time. And you, Esther, alone will also, when your identity is revealed, you will also perish. You need to speak up. Just don't think because you're wearing that Persian mascara that things, that this isn't going to come your way. Don't forget who you are, Esther. Don't forget where you came from. Don't for one moment stop remembering who you are. You are in the palace for such a time as this. The whole thing was a God setup. It was a God opportunity, as we speak about, spoke about last week. See setting all these messages up. It's a God setup for this moment that you would rescue your people, Esther. Esther had to get her time in order. Nine years, five years in the in the palace. And I started finding things out in my life when I start to do things with intentionality. When I start to do things with God intentionality, when I'm intentional with my time and I count for my time and I live with intention, what I found is that God will come and present these God opportunities. He'll come knocking at your door and it will require you to move. It will require you to move. God will come and he will present situations in your life that will require you to move or pivot or step up or step out in a certain way. Now, I know this is a faith-filled room by and large. I get that. But how do we know, Pastor, how do we know when God presents these opportunities when it's time to move? How do we know when it's time for me to go after it? How do I know when I should quit this? Or how do I know when I should start that? Or how do I know when I should pivot and go over here? How do we know, Pastor, when we should stretch? How do we know? Esther, everything's going okay. Mordecai, I've been in the palace for five years. Why is now the time? What are the indicators? What are the factors? What are the things that God will reveal in me to show me that now is the time? A lot of things I could give you, but the biggest thing is you have to listen to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit, and you have to step out. But there are some factors that I've seen in my life and in other people's lives. Because timing is everything. There's nothing worse than getting the right thing at the wrong time. Some of you have experienced that, maybe in a relationship. It wasn't that she was bad or that he was bad. It just wasn't the right time, and you rushed in, and, and it didn't work out, or you were too late. Some of you have experienced that in business. You know, I had this idea, and you had the people, and you had the resources, but it just wasn't the right time. It just wasn't the right time. It was the wrong time. Three things that are always indicators for me that say, okay, it's time to step out. Number one, it's it's how I know it's the right time. When capacity is shrinking, But calling is expanding. You see, Esther was not raised to be a queen. You need to know where Esther came from. Esther was born in a Jewish home. She would have grown up knowing the Torah. She would have known Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible. She would have known that. She would have known the stories of her forefathers. She would have read about the great battles of David. and She would have read about the story of Moses parting the waters. She grew up with a calling. Not to be queen, but to be a child of God. But the past five years she's been in the palace. And don't get me wrong, on the palace, the outside looks, the outside of the palace, it looks really good. The palace is safe, the palace is comfortable, the palace is luxurious. You know, it's everything comes at your beck and call. There are no challenges in the palace. The problem with the palace is it wasn't her calling palace wasn't her calling she was called to rescue her people the palace was simply a vehicle to her calling hear me church whenever you're not being challenged your capacity is shrinking the only way for our capacity to grow is to be challenged we all think we want to live in the palace right we want to live in the palace i mean you get to the palace and then you get there and you realize that you're not getting any stronger at all in the palace in fact If you go through the Bible, you'll see this happening time and time again. Remember Joseph, the story of Joseph. Before he gets to the palace, he has to go to the pit. And he has to go to the prison. And then he makes his way to the palace. Remember David. David, before he ever gets to the palace, he lives his life in a cave. Why? Because he learns more about being a leader in the cave than he ever did about being a leader in the palace. Because when you're being challenged... Your capacity is growing. God can grow you when you're being challenged. And the longer Esther lives in the palace, the more her capacity tends to shrink. And although her calling was always to be a child of God, a redeemer of God's people, that she was to be someone who would come and rescue her and save her people, we live in a time right now that most of us, we are avoiding discomfort and pain. But the other side of your pain and discomfort is actually you growing and actually you getting stronger. If you want your capacity to grow, you have to challenge it. I don't want to be in an environment that's not challenging. I don't want to be in an environment that by and large is just easy and comfortable. Oh, my flesh wants that. Yeah, I do. My flesh wants that. But I've denied my flesh in order that I might feed my spirit. See, if you're not careful, you'll think that you can just maintain by showing up. Oh, you know what, we'll just show up. I don't want to be I don't want to grow. I just kinda of want to show up and 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 go home. Places like places like the gym, right? You think that you could achieve your goals that you might have if you go to a gym by just showing up and walking around and leaving? You just show up, you know, and then you can leave there like, I oh, went to the gym today. You may have gone to the gym, but you're not even going to maintain what you have if you're just going and showing up. You're actually going to atrophy. It doesn't mean you're going to grow if you just show up. You have to push yourself. You have to go and you have to work out. Some need a personal trainer. Some need people to tell them you got more inside you than you think you have. Getting back to the time you spend with God, you might have the biggest Bible in town. But unless you challenge yourself to actually read it, you'll never grow. That's why the preacher is always encouraging you to get into the word. Seek him more. Preaching messages that sometimes step on your toes. That's why here in this church, we're always challenging the status quo. Trying new things. Reaching out. You can't afford to live in an environment that will simply coddle you. Just in the palace, just hanging out. Your time has come. Esther her time had come second thing real quick how do I know it's time to move how do I know that God is calling me now how do I know that my time is here because fear is overwhelming but faith is unrelenting the story of Esther if you don't get the context context it won't make much sense but some of you are asking how come this girl doesn't just go to her husband and ask him well here's the thing that seems easy enough go to her husband and say don't kill my people piece of cake the reality is in that time period as you read if you read Esther chapter 4 nobody was allowed to walk into the king's chambers without an invitation nobody and it had been 30 days since Xerxes had called upon Esther and so when Mordecai sends his request and to go ask the king for mercy what he's really asking her to do is risk her life And so Esther here, she goes, you know what? This must be a God opportunity because I'm scared to death. But you know what? I know that I know that this is my time. My fear is overwhelming. I'm not sure I I have what it takes to do this. But you know what? My faith is unrelenting. And I wish I could tell you that, that my experience has been When I'm operating in faith that I have all the confidence in the world that we're doing the right thing that oh god You're right behind this, but a lot of times, you know, I typically Experience a lot of fear But then my faith kicks in and says you know what you haven't been given a spirit of fear you choose to walk in faith Every time god's god's speaking to you The enemy is going to start shouting at you You can't do it. It's too hard people will think you're weird. It's too big you'll fail you're not good enough but the longer you walk with god you start to learn wait a minute if the devil and i know the devil's shouting at me but the only reason he's shouting is maybe just maybe if i step out and do this i'm going to be a threat to him and if i can just hear god's voice step out and make it god's opportunities are wrapped up in overwhelming fear but the longer you walk with god maturity is this oh that makes me afraid it must be an opportunity See we've learned in our family as well as I'm sure yours that on the other side of our fear there's often a God opportunity. And it might be overwhelming and I'm telling you you close your night at you close your eyes at night and you go to bed in fear and it's overwhelming but if you have just a hint of faith this morning if you have just a hint you know Jesus said the faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain fear creates mountains faith removes them when you have so much fear in front of you sometimes and most times if you have just enough faith you see those God opportunities those God moments you say I'm scared to death but you know what I'm going to step out on faith because I have a spirit inside of me the Holy Spirit's telling me that it's time you say oh you can look out and you say pastor it doesn't look right to me You don't walk by sight. You walk by faith. Here's Esther, afraid to die. The mission, the opportunity, extremely risky. She said, you know what, I'm going to discover my purpose on the other side of this. So when my capacity is shrinking, I know it's time to move. I also know it's time to move when fear is overwhelming, but faith is still unrelenting. And finally, I know it's time to move when my passion is burning inside, but peace is calming. This is the last thing I want this to get in your heart this morning. Some of you are in this room and you're already going, Pastor, you don't understand. This thing that God's calling me to is big. It's bigger than me, and, and I, t- I told you last week, yeah, that's obviously right, because God opportunities often are bigger than you. If it wasn't bigger than you, you wouldn't need God. The fact is that it's bigger than you. It is an indication that you can't do it on your own, so you need God's help. And God loves it when you need his help but a passion will start to burn. See, Esther, she was raised in a Jewish home. And she would have been raised on those old stories, and she would have had a passion for God and a passion for her people, for God's people. She'd have been burning on the inside with a love for God and a love for her people. And it's so important, now that we've gotten this kind of recalibrating of our lives, this sort of restart, it's time to look at your time, where your time is being spent And where it's being wasted. Go back to those hours we talked about that are being, that are actually available to you during a week, a month. And what I'm saying is I'm focusing, focus on your passion. What are you passionate about? How do we know that? How do we find out what that is? Passion is the fuel that wakes you up in the morning. Passion is the thing that drives you into your future. If you're trying to find it and find it trying to define that in your life The simplest way that I found to identify your passion is to define the thing that breaks your heart Because there's a lot of problems in this world, but the one thing that breaks your heart Is the thing that you're passionate about and once you've discovered that passion you've discovered your purpose like esther for such a time as this She lives in the palace nine years five years living in the palace Preparing for such a time as this. So she prays to God. She takes her passionate prayers to God. And she waits on the peace of God. The peace that surpasses all human understanding. She goes to the Lord in prayer and waits on the peace. Because when your passion is burning inside you, that's not enough for you to step out. You must wait for such a time as this for the holy spirit to come rushing in with the peace of god there's this balance between passion and peace that god i'm, I'm not going to move i'm not going to step regardless of what my desires say until you actually give me your peace so to sum it all up spoiler alert esther does go to the king spoiler alert esther does save her people Spoiler alert, Esther is actually a foreshadowing of Jesus. For Jesus would come into this world and he wouldn't just risk his life, he would give his life so that all of us can walk in freedom. This was Esther's purpose. But before Esther made a move, she waited on God's peace. Regardless of what your situation looks like this morning, God offers you peace. I want to encourage you this morning that regardless of what it looks like, regardless of how hard the pain is that you're facing this morning, in the midst of pain, God can give you peace. The scripture shows us that even in the middle of a storm, God can give you peace. Would you stand? Continue reading through the book of Esther. It is wonderful. And it is a story upon story. It is... We've been introduced to the villain this week. Haman. (laughs) But God will give you the peace that you are... Esther, God is now here. For such a time as this, let's bow our heads. Father, we are thankful that we can gather and listen to your word and hear your word. We are also thankful, Lord, that these words don't just bounce off these walls or they're not just words printed on a page, but your Holy Spirit can speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would stir up the things that keep us up at night in our hearts, the things that would be defined as our passion, and that we would wait on the Holy Spirit and that, Lord, we would know when to pivot, when to move, when to act, in our lives for you to make a difference in this world for kingdom work god i pray that for everyone within the sound of my voice everyone that's hearing this message this morning would get that deep in their heart that lord you have called them just like you called esther and countless others throughout the years for such a time as this because timing is everything. It's all about time. How we spend it, how we walk with you, with the time that we do have. Father, help us to work on those 12 and a half minutes that we give you a day. God, help us to give you more. As we know, Lord, as we give you more time in our lives, you will work more in our lives. You will bring about peace. You'll bring about action. You'll bring about passion. You'll bring about, Lord, things that we need to work on, conviction. You'll bring all this about, Lord, but none of it happens by osmosis. We can't just show up, Lord, and not apply what you tell us. We can't just show up and maintain. Lord, we actually have to put some work in. Lord, so often we cry out and say, God, where are you? And yet we haven't searched for you in your word. We haven't really gone to you in prayer. God, help us to remember that when we search for you, you have revealed yourself in your word. And Lord, I would challenge you each person that's hearing this this morning to receive that God-placed passion act on it wait for the peace and then go forth and accomplish kingdom work not only here in our own area, not only here in our own neighborhood your word said that you know what, we're going to not only be in our own neighborhood, our own area but we're going to be in the outskirts, we're going to be in the far cities, and we're going to be all over this world as your witness. We'll invest time in people's lives, Lord. Get to know them, and Lord, invest time so that they might see your light shining in us. Might that time be a testimony, Lord, that we spend. So that we would win this world for Jesus Christ the only hope that we have can't put our hope lord in politicians we can't put our hope in governments we can't put our hope in any other individuals around us people will continue to let us down but jesus you will never let us down you stand with us you stay closer than a brother you're the one we turn to in our time of need heads bowed and eyes closed this morning and then we'll close with this if you're here this morning and you need this touch from god say you know what preacher i've i've heard about a lot of this stuff but i never really acted on it now's your time now's your opportunity you're not here by accident this morning you're here for such a time as this god has spoken to your heart and you say you know what pastor this is my time I realize I can't just show up and maintain. I need to, I need to invest. I need to, do, I need to do what God's telling me to do. Not just come to the gym and say, I went to the gym. But actually come to church and soak in what God has for you and respond to the message and take action. I want to offer you that this morning. Nobody looking around. Nobody going to judge you or look sideways at you. But if you'd like the opportunity, first and foremost, to receive Jesus as Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. If that's you this morning, just lift your hand up and tell me, Pastor, I'm done playing church. I need to receive him as Savior and walk with him. Just lift your hand up and say, that's me. If you're watching online, amen. Praise the Lord. If you're watching online, leave something down in the comments that says, Pastor, that's me. I receive him today. I can't do this on my own. Secondly, i'm going to give you an opportunity to receive the power of the holy spirit this morning an infilling, if you will as we say in the old church of the nazarene of the holy spirit You say god you say pastor. I've been walking with god a while. I know who he is I was saved when I was so and so and I was I believe that i'm a child of god, but I haven't really acted on it So therefore I haven't seen the blessings of god. I haven't gotten the empowerment by the holy spirit If you'd like to receive that this morning, you say I know jesus. I know i'm saved But I need that sanctifying power of Jesus Christ. I need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit of God. If that's you this morning, nobody's looking around. Just say, Pastor, that's me. I need that this morning. Just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I need it. Amen. Those watching online, the same. Father, you have seen those who need a touch from you this morning. And I pray, Lord, that... that your Holy Spirit would fill those who are seeking that that we might be able to make decisions and and Lord we might be able to check ourselves and we might be able to to be reminded by the Holy Spirit that now fills us now even now that God you are the one that we want to serve you're the one that we want to live for you're the one that we want to walk with each and every single day for those Lord that want you as their saviour God, welcome them into the family of God this morning. The angels in heaven rejoice for the one. Eternal life starts now. I thank you, Lord, for people that have had the courage and the obedience and the guts to say, you know what, that's me. I need him. And for those that were holding back, Lord, and there probably are many. I pray, Lord, your blessing upon their life, that they would seek you, and they would get deeper into your word, and they would get deeper into who you are through prayer. And, Lord, they would understand what it means to be filled and go out and be a witness to this world. Thank you, Lord, for Esther and what she's done for your people and the the account that we can read about that happened in history. Might we learn even more, Lord, as we read the rest of the book of Esther and we walk through it together as a family, Reveal your truths, Lord, through this Old Testament book, I pray. Now, God, if we leave this place, may we not depart from your presence. Go with us, Lord, as we go into a lost world that needs the light shining of Jesus. And might we be that light, investing in people's time, in people's lives with our time so that they, too, may know the salvation that we know. We have this calm, and blessed assurance that Jesus is our Savior and that He is faithful and will see us through. Be with us as we go, Lord. Gather us together many times this week and gather us together in Your house next week, Lord, ready to hear from You in Jesus' powerful name and the church agreed by saying amen and amen.